0: All right, barheads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of gathering together as family. Thank you for truth that binds us together. Thank you for giving us, as a grace gift, your love in time. Father, thank you for allowing us to fellowship together in the sphere of that love. What an incredible experience it is may we never become familiar with it but rather spread the good news in love to those that need it most which are the lost in this world we pray for them also of course father that they be humbled and receive uh, saving faith before it's too late father we pray also for those in the congregation that are hurting that are healing that you give them comfort that you provide us with the ability to comfort them as well we are most grateful and thankful for your son's work on the cross to make a morning like this a reality for all of us to rejoice in we just ask for your blessings on this morning's message may it be edifying for our souls we ask this in jesus christ's precious name by the power of the spirit we do pray amen Again the Lord is our confidence part 41. I want to begin with an encouraging reminder from holy scripture. Go to John 14:23. Let's begin with some encouragement from holy scripture. John 14:23. John 14, 23, and again, this should be very encouraging for all of us. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He's obviously referring to believers. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. That's a reference to unbelievers. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What an... an, incredible promise. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is the primary reason we are reading this passage this morning. Remembrance. Remembrance. That is a key concept in of itself. And just keep that in mind for later. Verse 27. Remember something like this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Did you remember this promise this morning? Do you have peace? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Certainly a wonderful promise for all of us to remember. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And I just want to give you a little perspective on this phrase as it can be confusing at first glance, right? If you loved me. Wait a minute, I thought if you loved me, you abided in you know, this whole thing. So just remember that context is key. I'll give you uh, something from Barnes on this phrase, if you loved me, in John 14, verse 28. This is the slight and tender reproof of a friend. Meaning manifestly, if you had proper love for me, if you had the highest views of my character and work, if you would lay aside your Jewish prejudices and put entire implicit confidence in what I say, you would have rejoiced. And that is something we can all look to do we love if we loved him we would understand implicitly and we would have this same implicit confidence and therefore we would have reason to rejoice it's not like he didn't teach them the things he said that right look at in verse 28 again he says you heard me say to you but for some reason it didn't stick maybe they were too you know distracted by their own prejudices to focus on it, to remember it. He's told them, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced. You would have remembered that what I'm doing is a very good thing. And that's all uh, that Barnes is really saying there. If you put all aside your own prejudices and your uh, preconceptions about how things should be, you'd have implicit confidence and you would have rejoiced. Again, verse 28, You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. Isn't that beautiful? Some of the promises that were given in time, uh, we had to sort of depend on in the absence of You say, well, Jesus promises me peace. Maybe five years ago, you didn't have much of that. But now that you've been schooled and you've learned the word of God, you have much more. And he often leads us that way with his promises. What a wonderful insight into the relationship Jesus had, though, uh, with his disciples. Very pure, honest, and forthright. Loved it. You know, he was gently saying to them, you know, if you loved me properly, you'd be rejoicing right now. We could say that about ourselves. If we loved him properly, we would all be rejoicing right now. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Again, the reason we read this passage was primarily, though, the instigating verse in the passage was something he said in verse 26 which says the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. For example, on Wednesday we noted something the Spirit of Christ reminds us of regularly. Go to 1 John 3, verse 1. 1 John 3, verse 1. We're going to read a lot of encouraging passages this morning. 1 John 3, verse 1. Nice reminder for all of us. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. And that's from Wednesday, see from Harao in the Greek up here on the board. It means to see, look upon, experience, perceive, discern. Also translates behold. In other words, behold the love. Behold any real promise from the Word of God. But here it's behold the kind of love. See what kind of love the Father has To give us as children, behold it, cling to it, practically speaking, implies focusing. Focusing, that's our second key word this morning. The first one was remembrance. The second was focus. Implies focusing on that which you know to be true, which is, for example, what kind of love the Father has given to us. Again, look at verse 1. See, behold, focus on... What kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, verse 2, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Do you remember this morning that you are a child of God? And don't just say, yeah, yeah. Don't underestimate what that means. Do you remember that you are a child of God? Don't underestimate what that means. Do you remember that this means you are part of a family that rejoices in the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ? Do you remember that we have the privilege of partaking in a brand of love that this world cannot understand. Do you remember those things? Go to 1 John 4, verse 7. 1 John 4, verse 7. So again, it's through remembering we're able to focus. 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, For love is from God. It is a grace gift to his children alone. Think about that. We are able to love one another, for love is from God. And this love that we are given is a grace gift to his children. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. What a gift it is. In this, this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, the very manifestation of love, which is why we say love hung on a cross that day, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that, we, uh, uh, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And you know that for a fact that that's a supernatural gift because some of us, honestly, even in a, a beautiful church like this, you know, there's personality conflicts even. So maybe some of you don't even like somebody else. Some of you are like, yeah, I don't like you okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably true. I'm sure there's somebody in here like, yeah, I, I just don't really like the guy. I'm okay with that, honest to goodness. But you should love me as I love you. We don't have to be friends, but we should love each other, and we do. And that's the beauty of having this gift, this grace gift from God. God says, I am going to give you this love. So, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected or matured in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us. How? Because he has given us of his spirit. In other words, the spirit brings into remembrance. Who's going to encourage us when, when you just giggled and had a little inward smile right there when the Spirit said, we love each other? Who did that for you? Who empowered that in you? That didn't exist before you were saved. That didn't exist until you were given the power of the Holy Spirit to even understand it and then experience it. So you can thank God, the Holy Spirit, for that feeling you just had, for that experience you just had. That doesn't happen to an unbeliever because the unbeliever doesn't have access to the spirit. So by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. This echoes back to Jesus' promise to his disciples and effectively to all of us up here on the board. John 14, 26 but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So you also have to think about the Holy Spirit himself as a grace gift. He is a grace gift, just like any other gift from the Lord God. For example, his love, Allah, la 1 John 4, 7. These things are intrinsically bound in the life of a believer. The Holy Spirit is a gift. You've been given love. How do you even ex- understand and experience said love? Through the power of the Spirit. One of the amazing supernatural things the Spirit does for us is to remind us of all of God's promises. That's what we just read up here on the board. All of God's promise. He will bring into remembrance... The things that we've taken in right here, folks, this is it. This is why it's so important. He uses Holy Scripture as the basis of His reminding us of promises. And Again, that's why it's so critical that we read uh, our Bibles as often as possible. We'll never go through the whole Bible here. We just won't. There's not enough time. I would have to be here every day just reading from the Bible. You can do that on your own. That's not even my job. So in other words, there's a lot of real estate. There's a lot of uh, meat to the Bible that we just don't get to here. But that's on you. And so much of it are are promises. It's promises. It's something that is meant to deliver you and to set you free. And so when you don't read your Bibles, you're leaving all of that on the table. Go to John 8.31. John eight. Verse thirty one John eight thirty one Look at what the true believers do. Okay, look at what true believers are compelled to do what the new creature is compelled to do john eight thirty one. so jesus said to the jews who had believed him if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples if you abide in my what word well what are you reading right there that's called the word that's the word of god If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Up here on the board, I'll give you McDonald, up here on John 8.31. Those who are true believers have this characteristic. You abide in his word. They abide in the word. This means that they continue in the teachings of Christ. They do not turn aside from him. True faith always has the quality of permanence. Always, and it's a good litmus test, even for, even for someone hearing my voice right now. It's a good litmus test, uh, and I shared this with you a few years ago now, but when we had the gospel reload, there were several people in this congregation that came forward to me privately and said, I just got saved. Should we be shocked? No. It's a grace blessing that they realized that they weren't. It was a grace blessing from God to open their eyes and say, you weren't. But now they are. And so there's all kinds of little litmus tests in the Word of God as it sort of um, self-authenticates itself, vindicates itself, um, puts us on on the block, so to speak, puts us before the truth and we have to confess do you understand the truth about ourselves and jesus says if you abide in my word then you are truly disciples of mine then you'll know and so it's a good litmus test true faith always has the quality of permanence they are not saved by abiding in his word but they abide in his word because they are saved again verse 31 jesus said to the jews who had believed him If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. And this is really the great litmus test. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. So the net-net is that the Holy Spirit uses the word to convict those abiding in it, a.k.a. believers. So in other words, a true believer is abiding. He just said that it's part of abiding in the sphere of love. You abide; you never, you never totally abandon it. It's always, it's been set as you know your 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 new compass's true north, if you would. That's what we do. We are gra- We have a we are gra- We gravitate towards him, Jesus Christ, who is described in John 1.14 as the Word. So we gravitate. And we understand Him and we learn about Him through our Bibles, which is also called the Logos or the Word. So the net-net is that the Holy Spirit uses the Word for we believers uh, to convict us. And ultimately, the objective is to set you free. Conversely, this is why we can give someone the Word of Truth, um, something we might be so excited about, we should be, and it falls on deaf ears. And in their case, they remain in bondage. You can give someone the truth, but Jesus Christ said, if you abide in my word, then the truth will set you free. But if it falls on deaf ears because they're still being arrogant, then they remain in bondage. In other words, the promise of enlightenment is given to those with the spiritual apparatus to understand the word of God. Those who, in other words, as we just read, abide in God's word who also, as we just read, abide in His love. This is, the, this is the characteristic, the key characteristics of a true believer, who are also called uh, as children of God. We believers then have access to a freedom that is unknown to this world, to unbelievers to be more specific. And the sad thing is, is that some of the people I'm referencing have actually tasted the goodness of the Word of God. I often think about that, like because at every wedding and every funeral, I always give the gospel. Always give the gospel. And I always wonder how that happens in a person's soul who walks away and says, Nope, I don't want it. So the sad thing is that some of the people that have access to the same freedom we enjoy they say no to the whole kit and caboodle they say i don't i don't want it they've tasted the goodness of the word of god and they say no it goes to show how arrogant uh we are as humans the writer of hebrews wrote about the unbelievers condition go to hebrews 6 4 hebrews 6 verse 4 this is going to be, hopefully, the low point of the message this morning because I really want it to be encouraging. But sometimes uh, encouragement comes at the hand of scale, right? Remembering how awful it is for an unbeliever and how arrogant they are compared to what it is to be a believer in Christ Jesus and lean on the promises of God. Hebrews 6.4 for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. In other words, they've been fully exposed to the gospel. Fully exposed to the gospel. Okay. In other words, no stone is left unturned. Uh, God looks in their heart and says... I know you know the truth about my Son. I know you know the truth about your condition. I know you know the truth about me. And then have fallen away, in other words, apostatized, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again, excuse me, uh, yeah, and then fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God, to their own harm in holding him up to contempt. It's impossible for that to happen. And so the writer of Hebrews is essentially saying that at the full presentation of the gospel, some will reject it, even though they have tasted the heavenly gift. They do not abide in his word. What did we just learn from John 8, 31? That that's a believer's estate. They do not, an apostate does not abide in his word, which is why the permanence that McDonald's say, up here in the board, references, is absent. And they are able to apostatize. You see, a true believer can never apostatize. Do you understand that? That would be equivalent to saying, you can lose your salvation. And that's not scriptural at all. Once you're saved, that's it. You're saved. You're one of his own. He says himself, I've not, I've not lost one. So a true believer can never apostatize, even though we may have little, you know, rifts with God along the way. <laughs> I, told, I shared one with you when I was telling the, the depression blog, right? I had a little problem, ended badly for me, obviously. <laughs> but here I am again. Do you understand? Full force. Because when you're a true believer, you can never leave him. You are, you are betrothed to him. You are a part of the bride of Christ now. And there's no divorce in that sense. And so we don't leave our husband. We're always with him. We can be terrible brides right? But we never leave him. Again, the point on the board, McDonald said, those who are true believers have this characteristic. They abide in the word. This means that they continue in the teachings of Christ. They do not turn aside from him. Truth, faith, excuse me, true faith, I should say true faith, not truth faith. True faith always has the quality of permanence. They are not saved by abiding in His Word, but they abide in His Word because they are saved. All right. I don't want to make this message about the plight of unbelievers, so let's get back to our primary course of study. The topic the Spirit's developing here this morning is the concept of remembrance. And frankly, there are so many good things that happen in our souls when the word that we abide in is brought to the forefront of our minds. Fair to say? It's a, that's the reason why you come to a Sunday message like this, a Sunday service like this, and you feel refreshed. You walk out with a renewed vigor. Is that fair to say? That the world out there has been clawing at you and dragging you down, and it's like sandpaper on the soul, and you, just, you feel filthy and beat up and bruised and scraped. And you need someone to rejuvenate you. And that's what God does through the Word of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit. A few years back, the Spirit pointed out the washing and cleansing effects that the Word has on our souls. Hopefully you still remember that. And that is our motivation for studying the Word of God. It gives the Spirit the, for lack of a better term, quote, detergent to scrub away the filth of this world. You know, it'd be like showing up every day. If you don't read the Word of God, it'd be like doing like Joey used to do, taking a shower without really any soap. Right? I'm good. I'm good to be dirt all those. A- I'm good. Dirt, streaks right here. Did you just like run through the shower? Banked off the wall. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Det- it would be like showing up to take a shower without any soap. The Word of God is like the soap, right? The Spirit's standing there with a scrub brush going, what am I going to wash it with? I need, I, need the deter- I need the Word to scrub you with. And so if you don't pick up the Word of God, there's no soap. There's nothing to wash you or cleanse you with. Because what are we talking about? Figuratively, it's about our minds, right? It's how how we think. Our minds get polluted by worldly thinking. And that pollution and that filth needs to be scrubbed away with the Word of God. But what happens if you don't take in the Word of God? You remain filthy. And you say, oh, that's what church is for. Like I just said, I can't give you all of the Word. It's You have to pick up the Word on your own. I can only guide you like I'm doing right now. It's kind of funny, isn't it? How he uses a shepherd who's being honest to say, hey, listen, I'm not here to be your little guru. I'm not here to supplant the Word of God. My job is to encourage you to read the Word of God. That's a big difference, isn't it? That might even be unique within Christian circles nowadays, where someone says, don't even show up with a Bible. We're just going to do 20 minutes of rock and roll, and then I'm going to tell you so the seven habits of good success, and you know, being a good person, and all that kind of stuff. And don't worry, I'll give you a few verses here and there, and I'll dance around them, and we'll have a little kumbaya session, and then you can go home. And we'll call that a bath. That's not a bath. That's a joke. That's a show. Mm. We don't don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Go to Hebrews 4.12. Here's why. How about Hebrews 4.12? Hebrews 4.12. Right? This detergent, this 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 word, gets into every little nook and cranny, you know, behind the ears, like you know, mom used to say, "Make sure you watch behind your ears." Right? This gets everywhere. It's so fierce that it cuts between what? What's it say? It says uh, of joints and marrow. Be able to make that distinction. Think of the cleansing power. ...of the Word of God. It reveals the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no one hides. Which is why I would argue... ...some of you don't read your Bible. Because you prefer the filth. Because you know every time you read the Bible... ...He reveals something and you're like... ...Ow! That hurts. Yeah. But that's the truth about who you are. And that's why you need... ...this double-edged sword which describes the very nature of the Word of God. It doesn't just do its business either the first time we hear it. It is used over and over again to sanctify us in truth up here on the board. Remember during Jesus' great prayer for the church, John 17, 17 reads, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. That is so telling. This is the key message here sanctification in the truth. Well, what's the truth? The Word. You want to be set apart for His purposes even in time? It's by the Word. Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. I hope you're able to make the connection here. Again, the the, the key concept from the start of this message and what's been developed has been remembrance. Remember this point as well remember this point this will help motivate you to read your Bible once we understand this concept we are encouraged knowing that the perfect holy supernaturally capable God of the universe gives us focus now that is beautiful especially I don't know if any of you have ADD or ADHD like I do focus is really at a premium Like, it's really not, even just practically speaking, it's really nice when you're able to be calmed and focus. It's almost distressing sometimes to be distracted. But, you know, it's funny because I would argue that knowing most of you, most of you have life ADD. In other words, you're a spiritual ADD. You're so distracted that you hardly focus anymore. You're so distracted, it's so easy to be distracted by the garbage from this world. And we, we, we lose out. And so we might think of experiential, quote, success as a function of focus. Experiential success as a function of our ability to focus. Life is short. God is good. Amen? Amen. So let us focus on the things that really matter in this life. Let us not lose focus by being distracted by the details of life. Let us do as the writer of Hebrews encourages us to do. Go to Hebrews 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Let us do these things and let us be encouraged by our ability to do so. Let us confess the things that we see when we stand in front of the mirror. Why why has it historically been, for some of you, and I know it ebbs and flows, that it's always a bad conversation? Remember, confession just means to say the same thing. You want to get to some point where you stand in front of the mirror and you can confess good things, too. I really like what you've done in my life, Lord. Thank you. I really like that you've delivered me from that pitfall that I suffered from for. Two decades. Thank you. I really like fill in the blank. The conversation doesn't always have to be bad. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Up here on the board. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Keep your eyes squarely focused on Jesus Christ at all times. At all times. Make it a habit first thing in the morning. It's one of the reasons why I think it really is super beneficial to read your Bible first thing in the morning. Like, get out of bed if you have a coffee habit or whatever. Get out of bed, grab your coffee, and read the Bible. And if you say, I don't have time then get up 10 minutes earlier. Whoa. Get up 10 minutes, 10 measly minutes earlier and do what I just described. That's all it takes to get your eyes squarely focused. on the beginning of every day, just ratchet right into him by reading the Word of God. Even 10 minutes will get you there. Keep your eyes squarely focused on Jesus Christ at all times. Maintain focus, do not be distracted. Remember our key word from this morning. Remember the word that has spoken has been spoken to you. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5:18, Colossians 3: 5:17. Keep your eyes squarely focused on Jesus Christ at all times. Maintain that focus. Do not be distracted. Remember the word that has been spoken to you. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And just to sprinkle a little more encouragement on your plate, let's see what the Bible says about the life of the person that is filled this way. In the following passage, Paul is going to ask us to put aside all the filth that we need to be cleansed from. i have already done a little work on that this morning. So when we read this passage in Colossians 3, Paul's going to ask us to put aside all the filth that we need to be cleansed from. And then he will expound upon the encouraging parts. Go to Colossians 3, verse 5. Colossians 3, verse 5. You can see him lay the whole thing out. It's almost like, hey, it's time to take a bath. That, that might be this. And taking a bath means to be Filled, right, with the Spirit. This is what it looks like to be filled. You've got to scrub clean. You've got to let the Word of God scrub you clean. Colossians 3.5. This is wonderfully encouraging. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, renewed in knowledge, that's what it means to abide in the word, remember, which is being renewed in knowledge, a.k.a. abiding in the word, after the image of its creator, verse 11, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, this is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Put on, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on what? Love. Ah. Put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let that peace, you know the peace that he promised us? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ, what's that? What are you looking at right now? That's called the word of Christ, by the way, just in case you didn't connect the dots. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Colossians 3.17, we could just label that focus. And everything you do in word or deed, focus on Him. Don't ever be distracted. Again, the point on the board from Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Isn't that beautiful? It's like, don't lose focus so that doesn't happen to you. We reverse engineer that, we might say, if we show up, or at the end of the day, we're weary and faint hearted, what happened to our focus? I guarantee you, you could look back at that day and say, I, I, I lost focus. <laughs> I lost focus on Him. It's the one thing the Bible says. Don't lose focus on Jesus Christ. Again, keep your eyes squarely focused on Jesus Christ at all times. Maintain that focus. Do not be distracted. Remember, that's what the kingdom of darkness wants to do to you. Some of you are the easiest prey of all. All you have to do is go to work. All you have to do is think about work. Some of you probably already think, you're like, oh man, you had to bring that up. Now I'm thinking about work. Blah blah blah. You have a problem. If you can't think about your work without being that distracted in the middle of a message, you have an affinity or you have some connective tissue to that work that that has you in bondage right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? No work should ever have that kind of control over you. Never. And if it does, as I've taught you a thousand times, you need to reassess that work situation. Because maybe you're too weak to handle it. Maybe you've taken on too much responsibility and it's going to be your demise in the end. Oh, but the money's so good. Are you, I almost said the S word. Are you kidding me? Are you pooping me? Right? That's your excuse? Remember the word that isn't spoken to you. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Hmm. Now, to me, this is wonderfully edifying good news. The fact that we have a way to avoid being depressed like the rest of the world is, that we have a a way to avoid being confused about life itself, like the scientists and the so-called intellects of our day, that we, in our remembrance of Holy Scripture, may be delivered from the hazards of spiritual death beginning with spiritual blindness and deafness, all of that is incredibly encouraging. And what can we say? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving me someone that's the very embodiment of truth to focus on. I certainly can't do that thing that the world tells me to focus on the person in the mirror, make myself an idol, I can't do what everybody else does when they're not an idol, make somebody else an idol. If there's, if, if there's a celebrity in this universe, it's Jesus Christ. That's who we should be focusing on. So what do we say? Thank you. Thank you for revealing yourself to me, personally, and letting me focus on you and, and casting all my anxiety on you because you care for me. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for reminding me of the truth about this world. You know, folks, look at we got we got people coming and going, you know, people even passing. This kind of a thing life is so short. What are we doing? You really want to sacrifice the truth that's in the word of God and then look back when you're 70 years old and go, "Ah, oh, crap. I made I made the wrong decision about Jesus." I was hardly ever focused on Jesus. I was just focusing on that person in the mirror. I just wanted to be my own idol. I I took the garbage from the word of God. Every time it was time to take a bath, I just ran in and out. There was never any real detergent to clean me off. I just kind of like, you know. You know what I mean? I didn't spend any real time. You don't want to be that person, do you? That's bondage. That's literally bondage. Anyone up for some more encouragement? I am. How about go to 2 Corinthians 3.16? 2 Corinthians 3.16. You've got to get your priorities right, my friends. Ask yourself right now as you're turning, what are your top three priorities in life? And be honest, and don't lie, and don't say, Jesus, right? By the way, he's only one, right? So what are the other two? What are your priorities in life? And don't play that game, the one you play with everybody else. Oh, here's my priorities. Oh, really? Your actions speak so loud, I don't hear a word you're saying. 2 Corinthians 3.16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Spiritual blindness and deafness gone. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is What? Freedom, right? Freedom. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, sanctified, into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. All we have to do is remember that He is sanctifying us. He promises to complete a good work. He started in us at salvation. Amen? That's Philippians 1.6. Do you believe it? Do you remember it? I've never read it. I've only heard you say it, bald guy. Well, then what do you expect? Why do you think you're your own idol? Because the one who's supposed to be your point of focus... Isn't because you don't really know him the way you should and could know him. For the sake of freedom. For the sake of freedom, and think of I'm thinking of Galatians five right now, right? It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Why in the world would we become bondage? Maybe go back right back into the bondage again? You started by the Spirit, but now you're going to perfect yourself in the flesh. You see? This is about being set free, not losing heart, not becoming depressed. Some of you still suffer with bouts of depression and anxiety and all that good stuff. Why? And don't say, I ran out of my pills. Why? Because you're not listening to what the Spirit is saying. You're losing heart because you're rejecting what is yours to take for free. That is the Word of God. The Spirit promises to teach you and bring to remembrance the things you've learned from the Word of God. In humility, your whole goal is to actually take in the Word of God. Hmm. Again, up here on the board, what is going on? Keep your eyes squarely focused on Jesus Christ at all times. Maintain the focus. Do not be distracted. Remember the word that has been spoken to you. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And that lovely verse we just read, that chapter, excuse me, that passage in Colossians 3, 5 to 17, where Paul talks about taking a bath and being filled and being cleansed and being ready for action and raring and ready to go. What a beautiful thing. Encouraging each other in love. Even singing amongst ourselves. Sharing the psalms and hymns and things that uh, encourage each other. As Paul might say, I think it's Romans one twelve. I think it's one twelve. Be encouraged each by each other's faith. As long as it's called today, let us be encouraging to one another. All of that is wrapped up. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, all of His uh, incredible um, things come true. The, his desires come true in our lives. And, and it peris- overflows or, uh, it overflows into the lives of others. It's wonderful. I just described uh, many aspects of grace, by the way. But One of the greatest revelations that a believer abiding in the world, uh, excuse me, the Word has and it's part of our ongoing sanctification, is that the more we read our Bibles, the more we realize that the word of truth is perfectly harmonious. The word of truth is perfectly harmonious. It is never disjoint, but rather always perfectly concordant. Shouldn't this be our expectation in the first place? Honestly. Shouldn't that be our expectation? I think so. What does the Word of God say? 1 Corinthians 14, part A. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. But of peace. He's not a God of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. He's definitely not the, the one who tempts us or the author of evil. It says, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Hmm. As I've taught you many times in the past... If you're confused about something, it isn't God's fault. You can blame the wretched condition you were born into. There's some validity there, obviously. Actually, for all intents and purposes, you can blame sin. Sin is what defiles man. Sin is what confounds us when we lose our focus on Christ. Sin is the great enemy when you get right down to practical matters. And you might think of that word Toshuka right now. It's trying to pin you on your back. It's trying to distract you. It's trying to get you in a weakened condition to bring you back to bondage. Because you can't, you can't overcome a, a, a true warrior who's ready to go. You can only overcome one that's worn down and depleted and beat up on the, on the battlefield. And so that's what sin's job is. Before it can dominate you, it has to beat you down. The only way it can do that is to get you distracted away from Jesus Christ. Who is your strength? Amen? There you go. There you go. So we have to step back now. I'm going to pick a spot to close, but there's still some things he wants to say. Where's the Spirit taking us this morning and what does all of this have to do with the Lord is our confidence? We're on part like 41 now. What does it have to do? Well, actually, it has everything to do with our message series. So here's some connective tissue for us. So far this morning, the spirit of truth has reminded us that we need to focus lest we become distracted and suffer the consequences. As we've noted in the past, if we lose focus, we lose confidence. So it's sin intention then to distract us. Hope you see the connective tissue. On Wednesday, we turned our attention to Romans 6.2. Go there. Romans 6, verse 2. Paul speaks very plainly about this, the fact that we have family rights, God-given rights to be set free from the bondage that we once were stuck in, but yet we allow ourselves uh, in our own arrogance and our rejection of truth, a uh, a lot of it has to do with what I've taught this morning. We reject the truth. We reject the truth about something as basic as reading our Bibles or confessing who we are before the holy God of the universe. And then sin has us. That's what Tashuk is all about. Sin has us right between the crosshairs. But look at what Paul says Romans 6 2, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? He's like throwing up his arms, like, what are you, seriously? we, We don't live, we've been set free from sin. What are we doing? We, can't, we, don't, we don't live in that sin anymore. It's dead to us. And then he reminds us. Again, here's some reminding. Imagine that. Reminding going on. And God the Holy Spirit's right beside you, right now in your little chair, right inside of you, to be totally honest, right? But I was trying to give you a visual. But he's encouraging you. Do, not, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, that's only believers, we're baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life? You're gonna give that up? You give up the freedom? For what? A little idolatry. I don't know. What do you struggle with? But here's our God given right that we can walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. That is our God-given right as believers in Christ to experience this freedom in time. It's our God-given right. But as the Spirit's developed this morning, we need to be reminded that we need to focus lest we become distracted by sin and then suffer the consequences. And up here on the board, just so you know, focus means focus. <laughs> Not that thing that most uh, people under the age of, say, 30, 35 do. In one hand they have their smartphone, and the other, on their, they have one ear on you, and every so often they go like this: Yep, 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 <laughs> yep, yep. That's not focus. I've taught you this before. It's physiologically impossible to multitask. That's not focus. If you're, if your focus is divided, if your attention is divided between all the hooks that Satan has in you through that little $1,000 machine you call the, the savior of your life, right? All the little hooks, if, if those things, that's exactly what they are. They're all distractions. Blip, 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 you didn't see it? But while I was teaching about 15 minutes ago, and I don't know why it happened, I got, this thing started buzzing on me like someone was making a phone call. Apple Watch, oh, thanks a lot, there. Who bought it? Me. Right? But you see, in my defense, I shut the thing off. It still came to life on me. What's next? I got to put it in my drawer in there? You know what I'm saying? But anyways, just an example so you didn't think I was just picking on you. we are all got to be very, very, very careful with technology. I'm an engineer. not you? You're not going to pull one over on me. I know what technology is. And all the little hooks that are being developed and will be developed. So, you know, it's not like I don't know what I'm talking about. I really do know what I'm talking about. Have we ever talked about TVs yet? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even, I'm not even convinced that TV is the worst. I think the smartphone's worse now. Especially now that basically I have a smartphone on my wrist. Do you know these little buggers if you get the right one? Can make phone calls. I could make a phone call right here and be like, uh, "Remember, get smart." <laughs> Looks ridiculous. I don't see anybody doing it. Thank God. But you can make a phone call right here. That means they can call you, right? Here. anyways. Focus means focus. Galatians five nine. A little leaven is a whole lump. I, say, oh, I only, you know, I was a little distracted. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I just, I, you know, I just drift a little. No, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If you're not 100% focused on Christ, did you not just open up some kind of a chasm or a splinter for someone else to seep in? Yeah. Focus means focus. Don't test the boundaries like an adolescent does. That's the wrong attitude. And... On behalf of everybody younger than me, I'm sorry that we did this to you guys because we're all responsible as a, as a whole group setting younger people up for this kind of a challenge and calling it uh, progressiveness and po- calling it human progression and all this other stuff. We basically crippled a bunch of generations of kids that need to be uh, uh, re- retracted or uh, pulled out of this thing. Anyways, you shall not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Don't test them that way. Don't be an adolescent and go, I think I can do it. I was having a discussion with someone yesterday, and I said, How could, why do people do that? Like, and they honestly said, because they think they can do it. I said, but what happens when you know, the Spirit says, hey, this right here, don't do it. Like, it's literally, like, in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? You open up the Bible, and it's like, there. It says, do, don't do this thing, right? And they read it, and then the bald guy's like, don't do that thing! And I'm doing, like, you know, spitting and frothing and everything else that he makes me do. Gives me embarrassing advan- uh, examples in my own life. That kind of thing. And then they go, hmm, yeah, I'm going to do it. I say, what? Wait, what? But the... The Bible says if you do that thing, you're going to be in bondage to it again. Because it's like, you know, a sin, like a real sin, right? I'm going to do it. I said, why? Like, what, what gives someone? like, what is going on in that person's head in that moment? They literally say, I think I can do it. Just like the jackass who drives a vehicle and texts. I think I can do it. Thank God that was only a mailbox you just clipped or a squirrel or whatever it is you weren't paying attention, you ran over. It's the same mentality, and that's the mentality. Frankly, now I'm going like to pontificate. That's the mentality we've trained up our new generations in. We've put so much ridiculous pressure on. Tammy, Tammy's a first-grade teacher. We put so much ridiculous pressure on kids nowadays, there's not even hardly any playtime left. Like, you don't get to learn, like, hey, let's play a game. No, let's learn calculus in the third grade. I'm not saying they do that, but, you know what I'm saying. No, let's learn, hey, let's not learn our letters. Let's learn how to write paragraphs in the first grade. They do that, right? Not even lying. We're telling kids to write paragraphs before they even know all their letters and all their, how to actually express themselves. And we want, like, thematic sentences and opening and closing phrases and all that good stuff that we learned like in high school. What are we doing? No wonder why they're on their phones. No wonder why they think they can multitask. What choice do you have when you're under that kind of pressure? When you give somebody unsolvable problems, what do they do? They go And they got Red Bulls and monsters and pills. Because they know they can't keep up, so now they're all messed up and depressed. What do we do to our kids? What do we do to our kids? And then you say, okay, now I want you to focus on Jesus. Jesus? I can't even focus on all the stuff you gave me to do before you introduced me to Jesus. I'm I'm barely treading water right now. I'm drowning as a child, and the rest of the world is telling me I'm a loser and an idiot because I'm not a CEO by the time I'm 35. And you know, all it does not prop up, oh, the greatest Fortune 500, the greatest 30 under 30. Why are you not like Mark Zuckerberg? Why are you not a bazillionaire at 28 or whatever, however old he is now? Why are you not sacrificing goats in your backyard like Mark Zuckerberg? Do <laughs> you think these people are normal? No, oh, these are a bunch of derelicts. They're super intelligent, but they're like perverts, derelicts, bizarre people. And we hold them up as idols, and we tell our kids, if you're not like that, there's something wrong with you. Focus, 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 focus on them. And now, oh, oh, by the way, focus on Jesus, too. Focus on Jesus, too. Uh, I don't even know how I got there. But that's what the Spirit's trying to say. The encouragement for us is that we have incredible access And all God wants us to say, and this is the urging of the Spirit, and then I'll close. He wants us to confess when we're disoriented or oriented to His will. That's it. He wants us to agree with Him on everything. You say, well, how do I do that? You open up your Bible and you read it. It is... The only truth that matters in this life. Amen? It's the only truth. Amen? Amen? Thank you. It's the only truth that matters. And once you have it, then you have the wherewithal to confess whether you're oriented or disoriented. Fair enough? That's all he's trying to say. And the beauty of it is that everyone in here a Bible? totally free. You have access to it. It's just a matter of decision making. That's it. That's it. All right. let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of studying your word here this morning. Thank you for a truth that sets us free. Thank you for never pulling punches, but thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for your grace, and most of all, for your love. We know that You're a good Father, and you do all things out of love for us because we are your children. Your Spirit attests to the fact. We're so grateful for these grace gifts, Father. We just ask for your blessings as we take the things we've learned back to our homes where we can reflect on them, and then, of course, out to a world that's just in dire need of such truth. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit we do pray. Amen. Thank you.